Luke 2, 8 through 21. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made knowing the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end, end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Children ages three through kindergarten are now dismissed to Little Landing. Merry Christmas, faith family at the landing. What a glory to sing of his birth with you. Let's worship over the word together. Pray with me, would you? Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name by the power of your spirit asking for help to not only see your glory, but to help these dear ones see your glory. And those who listen by live stream or recording to also see your glory. We have to see your glory to know you and be saved. Something of your glory, a flash of it even. Show us your glory through this passage that we could join with the shepherds and gather around the birth of your son and see you here in your holy word, powerful enough, living and active, fixed and inerrant, enabled to show us your glory. Let it run on in triumph. Watch over your word to perform it. Let none of it return void, but in fact achieve through our meditation and worship over this passage the great awakening that you intend in those who've never known you before, but are listening and viewing and worshiping with us right now, or here in this room, or in the children's little landing and seeing the glory for the first time there. Lord, I pray that you would show us true and sweet, life-giving glimpses of your glory from Luke 2. I pray this for your honor and your glory and praise and adoration and exaltation forever and our unstoppable, invincible joy. In Christ's name, all these things I pray. Amen. To know Christ is to see something of his glory. To know Christ is to have your eyes open to see his glory. If you don't see his glory, you don't know him.
Not that you see everything of his glory. Not that you could even name it or give word to it. Not that you could even fully comprehend it with your mind or heart. But that you've seen something of his glory. Seeing his glory is how dead people come alive. It's what distinguishes an unbeliever from a believer. It's not church attendance or or worshiping during holidays or giving money or any kind of words we use or agreement with any kind of history or theological doctrine. No, it's the seeing of glory that makes a believer. I long that every person in this room, every person watching or listening by recording, every person associated with this church family, every person in Duluth Superior in this area would see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. To not see his glory is to not know him. At the birth of Christ, the night in which Jesus Christ was born to Mary, an angel of the Lord, probably Gabriel, appeared to the shepherds who were tending their sheep outside on the hills outside Bethlehem. They were pastoring their sheep and preparing those sheep to be used as sacrifice in the sacrifices that would take place in Bethlehem and surrounding villages. And that night, the glory of the Lord, the same glow of supernatural light and power that led Israel out of Egypt and slavery, the same glow and glory and power that filled the temple with the presence of God, the same glow and power which spoke to Moses from the burning bush and made his face glow on top of Mount Sinai, the same glory that emanated from the face of Christ as he was transfigured 33 years later in front of his disciples, shone around the shepherds while they were shepherding. The glory of the Lord shone around the angel and the shepherds. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. They were not filled with fear because they happened to see an angel. No, they were filled with great fear because the glory of the Lord shone around them. Ezekiel 43 describes this exact phenomena, and these words here in Luke 2 are resounding and echoing. Ezekiel 43, listen carefully. Then he, the representative of God, led me, Ezekiel, to the gate, the gate facing east, and behold, the glory of the Lord, of the God of Israel, was coming from the east. And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. And I fell on my face as the glory of the Lord entered the temple of the gate facing east. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord is like a tsunami of light. When the glory of the Lord shines in manifest presence upon a person or a group or a location, its intensity floods the area with power and with light. It is, in fact, not a natural phenomena. It is rather a supernatural phenomena, and it's not mainly a scientific experiment. It's essentially the person of God's glory in the Spirit. The very glory of God that surrounds Yahweh and all the Old Testament is the glory we have beheld in the Son of God himself, fully God in his earthly ministry. And it begins here at Bethlehem. We must see the glory of the baby at Bethlehem to know that we are his. Listen, John 1, 14 through 18. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory 
We've seen the glory of Christ in everything he was and is. He did not leave it in heaven when he came. If you say he left his glory in heaven when he came, you stop people from seeing his glory in the Bible and they don't get saved. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, Father full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. From his fullness, that is the fullness of his glory, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You know Christ by seeing something of his glory. If you don't know Christ today, if you're here on Christmas Day 2022 and you don't know Christ, look for the glory. Look for the glory. Look in this passage for the glory. Look past all these wonderful things that are in front of you and all the things that you will face when you go home today. Look past all the glories that are around you and strive with God's help in prayer saying, Lord, show me your glory. Paul said, this is how it is that we get saved in 2 Corinthians 4. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Yearn with me to look into the face of this little baby and say, Jesus, I'm here, I'm at your manger side, and I long to see your glory shining from your face. It's hard to see the glory of God. There's all kinds of forces standing against you. If you want to see the glory of God, prepare to be opposed. The devil does not want you to see the glory of God. The devil is like a little fruit fly flying right in front of you while you're trying to behold the most grand, beautiful picture of God's green earth shining under the bright, high noonday sun and all its greenery and all its, its mountains and all its beautiful imagery and stunning glory. A little fruit fly comes flying in front of your nose, buzzing and landing on the end of your nose and tapping you, and you're going like this. That's what the devil's like. He hates when you see his glory. When glory is reflected in families, there are forces that are ruining the family. When glory is reflected in newborns, there are forces trying to kill newborns. When there's glory reflected in marriage, there are forces trying to kill marriage. When there's glory reflected in reconciliation, there are forces trying to remove and stop all reconciliation. When there are glories reflected in the Bible, there are people trying to change and darken and hinder the Bible from going forth in power. When there are forces in healthy churches preaching the gospel, there are liars out there filling people's heads with falsehoods. There's spiritual attacks Saturday nights and Sunday mornings so that people think it's so much easier just to stay home. When it's time for you to read your Bible or to recount something in a poem or a hymn or a sermon or a book or a conversation about the glory of the Lord, something will always get in the way. It was hard to see the glory of the Lord when you're a shepherd in the days when Jesus was born. There had been no light from God for 400 years at his wise and careful decision. And so they were still going through the motions of having priests and, and sacrifices. But the priests were given to unbelief, and the sacrifices seemed empty. 
not to the priests, not to the kings, not even to any prophets did the angel come, but the angel came to the shepherds. The shepherds were the very refuse of the society. The shepherds were the refuse of society because they spent all their time dealing with sheep refuse, for goodness sake. And they smelled like it. Think how sad it would be if it was your job to constantly tend to the sheep that would then be sacrificed, among other animals, for the cleansing of the people, but you yourself were so dirty dealing with the sheep all the time, you could never yourself be cleansed. You could never be allowed in. You never benefited from the feeding and the protecting and the leading and the watering and the defending of the sheep and the growing and the pastoring of the sheep that you did. Never. You were always unclean because you were always on the job. The world was so dark. As dark then as it is now. It was so hard to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Would he actually come? Would he actually arrive? Would the promises of God prove true? Maybe the word of God has failed. That's the massive question underlying the entire Bible, you know. Maybe the word of God has failed. That's why people want to change it. That's why people teach falsely about it. That's why churches die and fall out of interest, because they change what the Bible says, because the word of God looks like it failed the way it was written. We have to fix it for 2022, for goodness sake. It's so hard to see the glory of God. The culture, your own flesh, the devil, churches even, they don't want you to see the glory of God. They hinder you from it. Oh, that the power of God would break into your life right now today. And on Christmas Day 2022, you would look with me into the scriptures laying open before you. And you would say in your heart right now while you're half hearing my voice, Lord, I want to see the glory of God in the face of Christ. The angel appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That was the reflection of the glory. What was its origin? Where did the fire begin? That was the glow. That was the tsunami of light and power that was well known in the Old Testament and all through the New Testament, and fills all of heaven and touches the earth from time to time. Oh, let it come, Lord. What was the origin? What's the fire? What's the very inner holy light that burns emanating in the glory of God? The angel gives the answer. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's name number one. Glory number one, a Savior. Who is Christ? Glory number two, Christ the Lord. Glory number three. We'll look at each of the three glories to see them for ourselves, but then also to see how they transform the shepherds. Every time you see the glory of God, you're transformed. Every time you see the glory of God, you're transformed. The glory of God transforms everything it touches. It either hardens and makes run faster away from God those who have rejected God and they run headlong into their sin with greater boldness and abandon and rebellion or it softens and it enlightens and it gives tenderness and sweetness to those who are his and they draw closer and they say, I think, I think for a second I saw an instant flash of the glory of God and I believed. You'll see not only the glory of God in these names, Savior Christ, 
and Lord, but you will see how it transforms the shepherds. First, he's called Savior. This accords with the angel Gabriel speaking to Joseph in Matthew 1. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's Matthew 1.21. That's exactly what Mary names him according to verse 21 in our passage in Luke 2. He's Jesus. He's Savior. He came into the world as a baby in order that he might have a body to let that body grow and become strong, but then let that body be beaten, lied about, crucified, brutalized, scourged, and ultimately crucified. He took on a body so that the body could feel pain. He took on a body so that he could be our substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. It's exactly what Zechariah prophesied to his son John. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Jesus died on the cross as a man, living a perfect and full life, so that you could say, all my sin, past, present, and future, I lay on him. And he endures the wrath of God justly condemning my sin on my behalf, so that I never, ever have to see God as my wrathful condemner ever, ever, ever again. He takes my sin and he casts it as far away as the east is from the west. This is exactly what he said that we would tell all the world at the end of Luke Luke 24. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Luke 24, 45. God's condemning wrath against guilt is wiped away. Paul writes, for our sake, Christ he made, or God made Christ him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Do you know the glory of your sins forgiven? Do you know the glory and the freedom of all your secrets exposed and forgiven? Do you know the glory of God holding nothing against you, not one thing? Do you know the glory of being able to die well? Laying there ready when all the medicines have failed, you alive, and your days are limited. I am ready to meet you. If your life has been touched by the forgiving glory of the Savior, Jesus, then you are ready to die. But more than that, you're ready to live. You're ready to live this life, throwing arms of affection around people who don't ask for it, don't want it, and don't deserve it. You have a love that is strong and sweet and fountain-like that cannot be stopped because you're loved by a God who has shown you His glory in the forgiveness of your sins. Look what happens to the shepherds. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. See that phrase, made known to us? That means it was taught them by experience. These guys got saved. And they went with haste. You don't waste any time. Sheep, you're good. Do whatever you want. We're heading over here to the cave where Jesus is born. And they left their sheep and they ran over to see who it was. That would be their Jesus, their Savior, their forgiver of sins. 
They found Joseph and Mary, and they found the baby lying in a manger. Oh, I hope you find the baby lying in a manger this day. I hope you celebrate Christmas no matter how cold it is, no matter what the timing is, no matter what your year has left you empty from, whatever loss you've experienced, whatever sorrows you're thinking about, whatever fears you anticipate for 2023, I hope you can say I'm resting in the forgiveness of my Savior Jesus, who I am near to at his manger right now today. The shepherds have their very existence transformed. They don't need to keep tending sheep to get them ready for sacrifice anymore. The final sacrificial lamb has been born and he lays there in a manger right in front of them. 30 years later, 33 years later, the end of all sacrificial sheep and lambs will occur. The writer of Hebrews says, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Talk about transforming the shepherds. Your job is almost over, men. Just 30 more years and there won't be any more sacrifices ever again. Go to the Lord. Make haste as fast as the shepherds went to Jesus. Go to the Lord. Go to the perfect lamb. Let no sin go unforgiven. Let no guilt remain. Let no shame linger in your life. Go with haste to Jesus. Go with haste and pray. Quit listening to me and spend the rest of this time talking with the Lord. Let the glory of his name, the Savior, Jesus, rescue you from eternal hell and bring you to eternal joy in his presence. The second glory is in his name, Christ, which means Messiah. Verse 11, the angels call him a Savior, the Christ, God's Messiah. Christ is the promised and fulfilled one. Three decades later, Jesus will talk with a woman at the well in Samaria, and the woman said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. She's right. When the Messiah comes, he will be the shepherd to guide and teach. He will fulfill all the promises of God, and he will show the people of God, once forgiven, now how to live. Jesus said to the woman at the well, I who speak to you am he. Forgiveness of sins is not just a license meant to send you back to do the same things, committing more sin. No, no. Forgiveness of sins is meant to get the guilt of your sin out of the way so that you can come to Christ and receive him as your Messiah. That you can know him and be known by him. That you can come to him and love and adore and trust and follow him, obeying him in all his commands and live with him moment by moment, offering your life as a living sacrifice and knowing that his spirit and his glory dwells within you and rests upon you. So that wherever you go, the glory of the Lord is shining around whatever stinky shepherds you meet or whoever you might encounter. You know that the glory of the Lord on you and in your life as you follow Christ is more powerful than all the darkness that the devil can devise and all the darkness that this world is under. Jesus describes himself as our Messiah, our good shepherd, our one who follows the line of David, the good shepherd. Psalm 23 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This beautiful, glorious, high vision of the shepherd. The Lord is David's shepherd. David was the shepherd of Israel. And the the promise of God was one after David will come and he'll continue in the kind shepherding heart of David. And yet even better, the greater David will shepherd my people Israel. Christ says, I am him. And the angels say to the shepherds, the good shepherd has just been born. Jesus contrasts his shepherding, his Messiah-like ministry with the devil. He says in John 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come, I, the Messiah, come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Of course, if these shepherds that the angel spoke to on the night of Christ's birth were young men, they may have lived 30 years. They may have heard Jesus in John 10 teach that three decades later. They surely would have known what it's like to be just a hireling. They surely would have known that a hireling will run away and the wolves come in. They surely would have known that if you know the names of the sheep and care for them, you protect them and even give your life for them. Jesus is saying, I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who comes not only to lay down my life for the forgiveness of your sins, but to gather you to myself and to bring you near to me and to let my power and my glory and my goodness be shared with you so that you are transformed into my image and you become like me as you follow me. Look at how that transforms the shepherds. See the glory of the Messiah, the Christ, in what happens to the shepherds. Now these lowly, unclean, fix the lambs for us, but you don't get to benefit from them kind of shepherds. The ones shoveling dung, the ones who were not even qualified to give testimony in courts of law, the ones whom nobody hoped their daughters marry, the ones who were always outcast and always outside. Jesus comes to them and says, I am your Christ, your Messiah, your good shepherd. Not only do I give honor to your calling, but I show you why you even exist, why lambs and sheep exist at all. They exist because they show forth the world who I am as the Messiah the sacrificial lamb, the good shepherd. You, shepherds, carry on the honor of your ancestor David, but David's life points to me. What an identity shift. What a new way of thinking about themselves. The whole world still despises them, but now they hear, I have come to see the Christ the Messiah of God, the one to shepherd his people, Israel, from the line of David. And I'm a shepherd too. Welcome, good shepherd, in the manger. When they saw it, verse 17 and 18, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now these outcasts have been turned into evangelists. They go out sharing the good news. Go tell it on the mountain. There's all kinds of people in your life who need to hear that Jesus Christ has died for sin and is their good shepherd. 
to guide and to lead them. There's all kinds of people who need, like these shepherds, to have their identity transformed. Is there any way that you're looked down upon by anyone? God wants you to offer that to him so that he can redeem it and turn it into a glory for you. Is there any way you've been lied about or cheated or betrayed? Of course there is. God says, give that to me in order that that thing might be the way that I redeem and bless and serve you. Is there anything in your life that is so egregiously out of step with who I have created you to be? Give that thing to me and I can take it from you and redeem it, purify it, and make it a glory to you and to me. The shepherds had their identity transformed from outcast to evangelist. We too have a calling to share what's happened to us when we have seen the glory of God, just like these shepherds. We too have a a swift haste to go to the manger and see what the angel told us was true. There is a Christ, a, a Jesus Savior there. He is our Savior, Jesus Christ, and He is in fact our Good Shepherd, our Messiah, the one we proclaim to the world around us, the one we sing about, the one we tell, even if we've been lied about, even if we've been cast out, even if we've been declared unclean, even if we have been marginalized or set aside, we won't stop talking about the glory of Christ. Look at the third glory. He's called Lord. Jesus, a Savior, the Christ, our Good Shepherd, who is Lord. He's the Lord as he's born to Mary. He's the Lord as he's an embryo in her womb. He's the Lord as he's lying in a manger. He's the Lord as he's crying for his dinner. He's the Lord who sent the angels because verse 9 says, the angel of the Lord came. That means it was the Lord who sent the angel and here Christ is the Lord. So he's in the manger sending angels to tell the shepherds about him. Wow. The glory of the newborn Christ is that he is our Savior, he is our Good Shepherd, and he is the reigning and sovereign Lord before, during his birth, and after. He's the one who sent the angel to Zechariah and to Mary and now to the shepherds. He is the one who made known to the shepherds exactly what his birth meant. Look at verse 15. It was the angels who spoke to them, but look at what they say in verse 15. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They know that when the angel talks, they've heard from the Lord. Christ is the sovereign, working every detail of this world for his glory. He works out Herod details, and he works out Caesar Augustus details, and he works out Jewish and Gentile details and time details, and he works out all the unfolding of history, and he works out comets which bring magi from Persia to land them right at the very spot where they should come and bring their gifts. All the details Christ works out as Lord to the glory of God the Father. No wonder the angels sang, glory to God in the highest. God the Father, His glory ordains. God the Son, His glory explains. And God the Spirit, His glory sustains. The debut of the Son into time. Look what happened to the shepherds. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and had seen as it had been told them. Now, the outcasts, 
who didn't know about the Savior, the Christ, or the Lord become worshipers, and they are glorifying and praising God. They're now doing what the angels do. They're now doing what all the Old Testament saints do. These shepherds are presently alive and forever in the presence of the Lord, glorifying Him. So now, for the shepherds, all of life is worship. How can I open presents to the glory of God? How can I eat Christmas dinner to the glory of God? How can I interact with people after church to the glory of God? How can I deal with sorrow and loss and pain to the glory of God? How can I encourage a dear friend who's hurting to the glory of God? How can I draw near and receive even sad and painful news in my own heart to the glory of God? That's the question. The shepherds now go back and they say the defending and the feeding and the watering and the cleaning up after, I'm going to do to the glory of God because I've been transformed from an outcast to a forgiven evangelist and now worshiper of the glory of God. If you've seen the glory of God, you long with me to know how do I do it? How do I live this life to the glory of God? How do I live it so that my kids see Christ? How do I live it so that my spouse sees Christ? How do I live it so that my parents or my my co-workers or people online who I might interact with or other students at school see in me the glory of God? The Apostle Peter answers the question marvelously and perfectly in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Listen so carefully. As each has received a gift... Peter has in mind their surely spiritual gifts from God, but you can broadly and widely include in that the gift of Christ born at Christmas because all the spiritual gifts you receive come from Him and a glory back to Him. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you have the gift of problem solving? Do you have the gift of leading? Do you have the gift of careful discernment thinking? Do you have the gift of prayer? Do you have the gift of joy or kindness or encouragement? Do you have the gift of compassion or mercy or or service in some practical way? Do you have the gift of building things? Do you have the gift of understanding complex issues? Whatever your gift is, you maybe have many. You, You have at least one in, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible promises that you do, but you may have more than one. Use them all to the glory of God, depending on God for the power to carry them out so that you don't get the glory, but the one who gave you the gift and whose power you depend on receives all the glory. That's what the shepherds are learning. That's how the glory of God shows up in a life and in a church. We're a people forgiven because his name is Jesus. We're a people following and in close fellowship with him because he's our good shepherd, the Christ. And we're a people worshiping him in whatever we do, whether we do it on Monday or Tuesday, Sunday morning, Christmas Day or any day, whether we do it out in public or in private, whether we do it wherever we are, no one is going to wonder who gets the glory in our lives. If they stay with us long, they will smell you love another glory other than your own. 
Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How has the glory of the Lord changed you? Think now. How has the glory of the Lord changed me? Who did I used to be? Who am I now? Because I've seen just something of the flash of the glory of the Lord. Make a list. Then share what's on that list. Add to it often. Give thanks for it. Declare it freely to your own humility and to the great honor and praise of God who achieved it. You see, when the Lord shines, you are transformed from one degree of glory into another. When his glory touches you, it, it warms and it heats and it cooks you so that you are all the more beautiful and fragrant, fragrant to him and others. And it comes out in your life most practically as a durable, fierce, invincible, circumstance-surpassing, soul-healing joy. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day, in the city of David, is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's called mega joy, because when the glory of the Lord settles on you, you are transformed. Joy is the natural result. So, faith family at the landing, Merry Christmas. The gift of joy and the glory of Christ be yours today. Receive him and pray with me right now. Father, I thank you for the wonder of Christ's birth, and I thank you for its mystery and its mind-stretching glory and wonder. I thank you that you have shown us, even in the lives of these shepherds, something of your glory, and that you have shown us that it can be ours also. Lord, I pray that as we sing now and as we go into our Christmas Day meals and the rest of this day, you would deposit your glory in my life and in the lives of my family and in the lives of my faith family. I pray that you would deposit your glory into the lives of believers around the world, no matter what dangers they face in worshiping you. Do it in Ukraine. Do it in Russia. Do it in China. Do it in North Korea. Do it in Nigeria in Iran, in Afghanistan, in Cuba, in Venezuela, and across the face of the earth, deposit your glory in the hearts and lives of believers who gather to seek it. Lord, we pray that you would receive now worship from us as we reflect back to you something of the glory that we've seen. In Jesus' precious name, our Savior, the Christ and Lord, I pray. Amen. Would you stand?